In Jesus' earthly ministry, uh, he came across a woman at the well. This woman, he told her, had five husbands and was living with somebody who wasn't her husband. But Jesus met her there at her point of need uh, in, in a time where she was filled with shame. And he offered her living water. He offered her a new life, uh, a relationship with him by faith. And she took him up on it. And not only that, she went and got all her friends and they were blessed as well. Uh, Many of you may have had a time in your life where you have gone through some brokenness due to sin. Others of you may be on the path toward a sin. You have been flirting with it. You have been thinking about it and toying with the idea. uh, But you haven't made the decision to sin. Uh, Some of you may be walking with God uh, and having victory over sin. But I want to tell you something. Regardless of where you are in that continuum, God has a message for you today. He wants to remind those who are walking in victory of the danger of sexual sin. He wants to encourage those who are on that path to sin, to get off that path. And he wants to uh, restore and redeem those who are broken by sin. Aren't aren't you glad that we serve a God like that? Uh, We do have the need to walk with God in holiness and purity. That's the path to joy. That's the path uh, that God desires for us and longs for us to enjoy. Uh, Solomon is giving some advice to his son here in this scripture. And on into chapter 6 and 7, the advice continues. We're going to focus on chapter 5 today. Uh, But this advice doesn't just apply to young men. It applies to young women, to old men, and old women. Uh, And uh, God says, I desire purity in your life. And I want you to avoid the heartache and the pain of the consequences of sin. I want you to know the joy of a godly marriage. This is God's message. And we need to trust God and follow God in the specific things that God has laid down in His Word so that we can live the full life that He intends. The title of my message is The Wisdom of God for the Tempted. Wisdom for the Tempted. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 1. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen closely to my understanding so that you may maintain discretion and your lips safeguard knowledge. Though the lips of the forbidden woman drip honey and her words are smoother than oil, in the end she's as bitter as wormwood and sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps head straight for Sheol. She doesn't consider the path of life. She doesn't know that her ways are unstable. So now, my sons, listen to me and don't turn away from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Don't go near the door of her house. Otherwise, you will give up your vitality to others and your years to someone cruel. Strangers will drain your resources and your earnings will end up in a foreigner's house. At the end of your life, you will lament when your physical body has been consumed. And you will say, how I hated discipline, 
How my heart despised correction. I didn't obey my teachers or listen closely to my mentors. I'm on the verge of complete ruin before the entire community. Drink water from your own cistern. Flowing water from your own well. Should your springs flow in the streets, streams of water in the public squares, they should be for you alone and not for you to share with strangers. Let your fountain be blessed and take pleasure in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful fawn, let her breast satisfy you always. Be lost in her love forever. Why, my son, would you be infatuated with a forbidden woman or embrace the breast of a stranger? For a man's ways are before the Lord's eyes, and he considers all his paths. A wicked man's iniquities entrap him. He is entangled in the ropes of his own sin. He will die because there is no discipline and be lost because of his great stupidity. Wisdom for the tempted. What wise counsel does God give to people who are going through a time of temptation? Well, the first thing I want you to see is God says that we need to identify immoral people. Identify immoral people. Some of you may be thinking, well, we're all, we're all sinners. And that is true. But there are uh, certain types of people that we need to avoid. People that are uh, uh, a temptation. That person of the opposite sex. Uh, some today, even a person of the same sex. The Bible says marriage is between a man and a woman. But there are those who struggle even with that same-sex attraction. Um, I heard in Texas uh, a young children's evangelist who had come and was talking with me at lunch one day, um, who was at a, at a sister church, and he described to me, he said, I go and I, I preach to children, older children, uh, from about third to sixth grade. And he said, adults are always shocked when I tell them that they are struggling with issues like same-sex attraction. And they're struggling with issues like premarital sex. Listen, I want you to tell you, this, this is a real issue in our, in our uh, times here today. Um, I heard uh, this past week uh, some statistics. The average age that a child today is exposed to pornography is eight years old. Eight years old. Uh, and by the way, if you're a man and you're involved in pornography, or if you're a woman involved in pornography, viewing pornography increases the likelihood that you will be unfaithful to your spouse by 300%. This is where we are in our culture. So we need to identify the immoral people in our lives and steer clear of them. Uh, it's not that we don't love them or try to reach them for Jesus, but you need to try to reach people for Jesus with somebody else. Amen? Don't go alone to that place, to that person, but be wise. So identify immoral people. So, so what are some things that he uses to describe? And by the way, this description goes on uh, in chapters 6 and 7. But here are some things he says. Look at verse 3. The lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her words are smoother than oil. I see two things there. Uh, one is there is a physical enticement to sin. That physical touch. I heard on the radio one time this couple uh, sharing about how uh, one of them had gotten into an adulterous affair and it began with a, with a simple touch of the hand. Physical touch is a powerful thing. Be careful. 
in, in your expressions of physical touch with the opposite sex. Um, also, her words are smoother than oil. She's a, she's a smooth talker. And by the way, this is true of men just as it is with women. There are smooth talking men out there, aren't there? And regardless of the sex, this isn't intended to be pointed just to one sex, but because he's talking to his son, he's talking about a woman, right? So it goes both ways. Beware of those smooth talkers, those who flatter with their lips. They want to get something out of you. So uh, beware of the person who dresses immodestly. Um, The Scripture talks about that as well in this section. Uh, she uh, ultimately embitters and cuts like a sword. She lives an aimless life. She doesn't give thought to her way. She's not concerned about the consequences of her actions. But she just goes through life making impulsive decisions. The scripture describes uh, in chapter 7 that uh, the woman dresses immodestly. She comes to the man and she says, she says, come, I have put my, I put my bed in order. I put fragrance on my bed, and, and my husband's away. You come. And she's enticing him with her words. This is the type of person. If somebody is enticing you to do something that you know is wrong, you need to run. You need to flee that situation. You need to take a detour. Uh, so many times we flirt with sin, don't we? We, we toy with it, and we think, well, it's a little temptation, but I can handle it. Uh, you hear, the youth director hears this. How far can I go without sinning? That's the mindset many of us have. How far can I go? That shouldn't be your mindset. Your mindset should be, what should I do to preserve the purity of my walk with God? And to preserve the purity of that marriage relationship that's yet to come, or that I'm in right now. And so, um, identifying immoral people, uh, look, at, look at the behavior of these people with other people. If there's a person you see at your workplace and they sleep around, guess what? You don't need to try to get into a closer relationship with that person. If you see somebody doing things at school that you know are wrong, you don't need to pursue a relationship with that person. Keep your eyes open to the danger of sin. We all know people. I, I can remember there was a girl I had a crush on in high school. And let me tell you something. She was good looking. And, uh, but you know what? I heard about what she was doing. I heard about what was happening in other relationships. Matter of fact, I heard her a couple of years later, heard her talking across the aisle at school about what she'd done with a boy that previous night. And so I stayed away. Um, stay away. Identify those immoral people in your life. It's not that you can't witness to them uh, or can't love them in the sense of, of trying to minister with someone else toward them, but, but aware, beware of developing those personal relationships with people that can cause you very great trouble. Uh, identify immoral people. Once you've identified them, pray for them. Pray for repentance there, but stay away. What did Joseph do? Joseph was in a job where he couldn't get away, right? He was a slave. He was having to work in his master's household on a daily basis, and his master's wife kept approaching him. 
day after day, the Bible says, trying to get him to sin. And eventually, she grabbed, there was nobody in the house this particular day. She grabs a hold of him and says, come to bed with me. And he leaves the garment in her hand and runs out the door to get away from the temptation. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Understand that your decisions in these things can be very costly. Joseph understood that. He fled the situation. Uh, we, we see that um, chapter, five, uh, chapter 6 talks about the fact that adultery and sexual sin is like walking on coals of fire and expecting not to be burned. It's like hugging a flame. What do you see? When, when something catches on fire, what do you do? Well, if, you're, if it's your home, you're trying to put it out maybe. But most of the time we run, don't we? We try to get away from it because we know it can hurt us. He says you need to have this same attitude towards sexual sin. Identify these people, then stay away. So wisdom for the attempted. Uh, what counsel does God give us? Identify moral people. Secondly, avoid tempting situations. Look at verse 8, chapter 5. Keep your way far from her. Don't go near the door of her house. Avoid tempting situations. Uh, Verse 20 talks about uh, avoiding the forbidden woman. And verse 21 says, For a man's ways are before the Lord's eyes, and he considers all his paths. God sees everything we do. Now, avoiding the path to her house. Now, chapter 7 tells us about a young man who didn't do that. He walked down the street where she lived. What's he saying? I want you to avoid the tempting situation altogether if you can. Sometimes you may not be able to. But avoid temptation. Avoid temptation and tempting situations. Um, guess what? If you are an alcoholic, you don't need to be going in a liquor store. You probably don't need to anyway. But especially if you're an alcoholic, right? Why? Because there's temptation there for you. If you struggle with pornography, you don't need to go stand by the magazine rack or go on the internet late at night by yourself. You need to avoid the temptation. Even better, put a filter on your internet. Did you know they make filters? And by the way, a lot of kids are introduced to porn on their phones, tablets. Sometimes mom and dad's phone, phone and tablets. They make filters that you can, you can take and, and put on your computer as well as your phones and your tablets. Something good to know. Um, you can ask me about that if you need some more information on that. But um, Avoid temptation. Uh, <clears throat> when... I can remember when I was in high school getting invited to parties. And you know what kind of party it's going to be, right? Depending on who asks you. You know. And there were certain parties I did not go to because I knew that there would be temptation there for me. And when I was in the military, I got invited to do a whole lot of things that I knew 
would be very tempting for me that I, I could not do. And I would say, no, I can't do that. Say, so, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian and uh, uh, I feel like God doesn't want me to do that. And, uh, but uh, thanks for asking me, but I can't. And, uh, uh, you know, I got pressure. And you will get pressured sometimes to do things that you know in your heart you don't need to do. Be strong. Avoid those tempting situations in your life. Um, I can remember when I was um, pastoring my first church, uh, I happened to be teaching the youth Sunday school class. They didn't have a teacher. So um, I can remember, and I started to talk about temptation one day, and I noticed there was one young man who, you, you know how teenagers are on Sunday mornings. You know, bless, where's Jeremy? Bless Jer- Jeremy, wherever you are, bless your heart. Um, but <clears throat> most of the time, they're kind of glazed over and half asleep, you know, when you come into the class. Some of the adults are that way too, right? <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, I noticed that this particular day, he was just avidly listening to me. And I was wondering in my, in my heart, I, I wonder if he's struggling with temptation because he was listening so attentively that day. About eight months later, his family had dropped out of church, and um, I began to inquire and say, "Hey, where you know where are these these folks?" And uh, uh, I said, "Well, uh, Ray got his girlfriend pregnant, and uh, they're dealing with with the situation and, and working through that." and I said, okay, so you know, he had not avoided the temptation. Apparently, he was in the heat. He was on the road. He was on the path, and he knew that he was on the path, but he didn't listen. And he went on down that path and began to experience some of the consequences of his sin. Um, identify moral people, avoid tempting situations, escape hurtful consequences. Escape hurtful consequences. Look at verse 9. Otherwise, you'll give up your vitality to others and your years to someone cruel. Um, Some of you know what it's like to be married to someone who's cruel. To give up your vitality in the early years of your life to have your spouse leave you. If If that's your situation, my heart goes out to you, and, and uh, I, I feel for you. Uh, some of you have gone through the pain of divorce. Again, I feel for you. Um, I remember one of the, um, one of the uh, professors that was telling us about um, counseling said, one of the greatest deterrents for divorce should be the financial consequences of divorce. Some of you could testify to that. It's expensive to get divorced. By the time you hire attorneys and then you battle it out and and do all these things, your finances end up being in somebody else's house. Isn't it amazing how the Bible is so relevant to where we are today? He says, strangers will drain your resources. Your earnings will end up in a foreigner's house. Sometimes these may not be the consequences of, of sin in your life. It may be the consequences of sin in your spouse's life. But there are consequences to sin. So, um, escape those hurtful consequences. Aren't you glad that people 
give us warnings. I remember when I was in the military, we used to work on these uh, jet engine power generators. And they had these two red lines painted down the middle of them. And we were told when we were trained, you do not, when you're running the engine, you do not stand between those two red lines. And the reason was, if that engine came apart, all of those parts were going to fly out in that zone. And so if you're standing there, you're dead. It's going to kill you. So they say you stand outside of those two red lines because of the danger that's there. And, but you know how it is. People still did it. And, and when you did it, you would either get usually a, a good cussing or you would get shoved out from between those two red lines pretty, pretty stout. Uh, and, and it was kind of to, to remind you of the danger that is there. Uh, I'm grateful. I, had, I remember we were getting trained on uh, these hydraulic things, and he said, make sure you put this in the test position before you, you test this equipment. I said, well, why? He said, because if it's in the aircraft position and you start it up, it will explode and kill you. I said, that's, that's good to know. <laughs> Thank you for that information. And guess what? I never started it up but in the test position. Because of that warning. That's what he's doing here. He's saying, I want to warn you. I want to tell you there is danger here. Avoid, escape these consequences that will come to your life through sexual immorality. So, uh, he says, identify immoral people. Avoid tempting situations. Escape hurtful consequences. But finally, enjoy godly marriage. Did you know that God is not anti-sex? God made it. God is pro-sex. Some of you are feeling uncomfortable because I'm using that word. Let me tell you something. We better talk about it in the church because they're talking about it everywhere else. We need to tell them God's side of it. What does God want for your life? He wants you to have the most satisfying marriage relationship, yes, and the physical part of it as well, in your life. That is why he gives the warnings. That is why he gives the directions. He wants your best for him. He has a whole book called the Song of Solomon devoted to celebrating the beauty of the physical relationship in marriage. God is pro-sex, and God wants you to enjoy. But he says, what, this is, this, he's saying, I want you to avoid this temptation, have this wisdom for the tempted, and enjoy godly marriage. What is he saying? Enjoy that physical relationship in the context of your marriage as a preventative to the temptations that both of you are going to experience. I don't care who you are. I don't care how holy you are. You will experience sexual temptation. You will. So one great thing to do as a preventative is to enjoy that godly marriage. And he, he, in verses 15 through 19, he uses some poetic language. Uh, drink water from your own cistern. You know, this, this uh, refreshing, restorative relationships. He says, don't let it be in public. In other words, don't go around sleeping around with other people. Let it be an exclusive relationship between you and your spouse. Let your fountain be blessed and take pleasure in the wife of your youth. 
Now, I want to tell you something. 1 Corinthians 7 says that for the sake of temptation, a wife should make herself available to her husband, and the husband should make himself available to his wife physically for the sexual relationship because of temptation in the world. So you have it here in the Old Testament. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said, celebrate that physical relationship in marriage as a preventative against sexual temptation. But also, Paul says it. He says, be available to your spouse so that you won't, both of you won't be uh, tempted. And if you come apart for fasting and prayer, just do it for a season and come right back together uh, as a preventative. It, that's an important thing for you to hear. Because we in our culture are just inundated with sexual temptation. It's everywhere. Make sure that you are doing what you can for your spouse. Be available. And enjoy that physical relationship in marriage. Wisdom for the tempted. Now, I want to tell you, these are great things. Identify moral people. Avoid tempting situations. Escape hurtful consequences. Enjoy Godly marriage, great advice. But I'm going to tell you something. We have something even greater. We have the Holy Spirit. Under the new covenant, God has given us his spirit. You know what the Bible says in Galatians? It says, if you will walk according to the spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh or that old nature. So, I want to just encourage you as a child of God today, first of all, to choose to do these things that you've been advised to do in God's Word. Maybe go home and set out, make yourself uh, some written ideas, a written plan that this is what I'm going to do to avoid tempting situations. This is what I'm going to do to identify the immoral people in my life. I'm not going to date this certain type of person. Or I'm not going to be alone with this certain type of person. And... Uh, Make yourself a plan. Uh, also, I want to encourage you who are married to enjoy your relationship. But know this. Temptation will come anyway. The Holy Spirit of God can give you the strength that you need to be victorious in your, not just your outward physical life, okay, but also spiritually in your heart, in your mind. Did you know the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he? So the battle begins in my thought life. That's why not only is pornography a sin, but it is so destructive because it takes our minds down roads that they shouldn't be going on and gets us, it gets us thinking in a certain way so that we're more vulnerable to the temptations when they come along. But God wants you to have victory even over your thought life. And you can have victory. The Bible says we can take those thoughts captive. But ask God to teach you how to walk in the Spirit. Keep your sins confessed to God. Your sins act as a, as a barrier between you and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, spend time thanking and praising God in a daily quiet time with God so that you can develop that relationship with God and the Holy Spirit. And, and ask God to teach you more and more how to walk in the Spirit. Can I tell you, that is the key to, to it all. It's the key to it all. You can do all the right things outwardly, but if your heart hasn't changed, guess what? We're pretty good 
at getting around the barriers in our lives if we want to sin, aren't we? We're pretty good at it. Some of you are looking at me like, oh, I don't sin, you know. We, we all have a sin nature. The Bible says the, man of, the heart of a man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? We can't even understand the wickedness of our own hearts. That's how wicked we are without the work of God within us. So you need the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Bible says he, he changes those natural inclinations and he gives us the strength and the victory and the desire and the power to live the godly, holy life that God desires of us. That is what God wants for you. And you know what? When we honor God in our lives, whether it's sexually or any other area of our life, when we honor God, he will honor us. I believe that with all my heart. Do you believe that? We honor him. That's what the Bible says. Him that honoreth me, him will I honor. Do you want God's honor upon your relationship and marriage? Do you want his honor in your life? Seek him. Put him first in your life. Draw close to him. Learn to walk in the spirit so that you can have this victory. Now, some of you are here today and say, you know, pastor, I've blown it. I have utterly blown it. I've lived a life of immorality. I've blown it in my life. And is there hope for me? Yes, there is hope for you. That's why I started this this message with a story about the woman at the well. Because God specializes in ministering to sinners and restoring them, lifting them up. Mary Magdalene, talk about a broken woman, had seven demons in her. She was a prostitute. God saved her when she put her trust in Jesus. She left that life behind and lived a life of purity. And guess what? She's the first one that got to see Jesus raised from the dead. God does restore broken people. David says in in the psalm after his sin and he had repented of his sin, he says, how blessed it is for him whose sins have been forgiven, whose transgression has been covered. Hallelujah for that. God will restore you. But let me say this. Make it your decision to go from this point on in the way that God wants you to go. Let him restore your life. Let him give you a hope and a future. That's what he desires. Those of you who are on the path to sin, know that God doesn't want you to suffer the painful consequences of your sin. And they will come. The beginning of sin sometimes is exciting, but the end There's a harvest that that you don't want. Don't make the decision to sin. Those of you uh, who are living in victory, don't get smug. Don't think, that could never happen to me. Because I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says, let him who thinks he stand, take heed lest he fall. You have wisdom about your life. You follow these things we've talked about this morning. Be reminded of them so that you can live the life that God has called you to live. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the forgiveness that you provide.